0: i'm nick watson
1: oh <laughs> and i'm Bree watson and we have a special guest uh i would i would say at the cusp of a big break mm. right somebody wow and she's also she was also an office dweller like you and i nick yeah and she's broken free i have escaped cut loose and now uh
2: yeah and Catherine McCormick's here, and she's going to talk to us about what's... Yay! Um, (laughs) On my old podcast that I had with Natalie Norman, uh, we would always clap when the guests got here. And I know that's not necessarily what you guys do, but I wanted to bring a little piece of pop comedy podcast r.i.p um i used to
1: listen to that in my car i would plug my phone in and listen to it because i used to have to drive to richmond hill and back when i had a shitty job oh i
2: remember when yeah. you were driving that was a lot of driving all it the time. was i was yeah. constantly in my car falling asleep <laughs> our podcast had an extremely high following in the ukraine Interesting. That's awesome. And we never knew why, but we loved it. We thought it was the funniest dumb fact. How many yeah. people did you
0: have listening over there?
2: I don't know, but it was like, you know how they give you like the pie chart yeah. and Google, Google <laughs> Analytics or whatever, whatever yeah. the thing you use? Um, It was like, Ukraine was like, like a quarter.
0: Uh- awesome. Did you start playing to your market there?
2: Yeah. I mean, it did <laughs> t- slowly turn into a traditional Ukrainian egg decoration <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but it took a while uh i've i learned how to do ukrainian uh painting when i was a teenager oh and i thought okay. just for the podcast no 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 but so i actually could have brought that knowledge to the table yeah, I it's hard to that. hard to convey that kind of artist i'm like so i'm putting the wax down <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> oh, everybody in ukraine is trying. Like, i know what i know this part,
2: part. <laughs> 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 they're like uh they're like uh, they're like, oh, black triangle on red background. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. My favorite. This is the best episode yet. <laughs> anyway, thanks for having me, guys. This is our second attempt. Yeah. Well, this is our our first successful Sit down, yeah. Attempt,
0: there we go. That's okay.
2: So- it's okay. We knew we were going to get you before you left, so- you really got it right under the wire. Right. If we had made this for next weekend, I would have been canceling.
1: Right. So. Well,
2: uh, well, I asked you specifically, when
1: are you going?
2: We but I didn't do... know when, oh, okay. when Good. we booked this. Well, um. it was, uh, I guess
1: it was in the stars. It was in the stars. <laughs> and you awesome. know what,
2: guys? 2016 is a very, it's a year with a lot of magnetism. Yep. This month particularly particular, there's two eclipses. A solar and lunar, apparently. Yeah, both ways. And uh, it means that everyone's having a crazy time in their life. I feel like that sounds right about now. right. Yeah, everyone. Okay. I know. Yeah,
1: so, man. I remember when like there was a solar eclipse, like when I was a kid, and they're like, "Oh, you better look, you better watch, because there's not going to be another one for like thirty yeah. years." They sold
0: that as a thing that doesn't happen. I,
2: in- I feel awesome. like I was, I was in elementary school. Yeah. Uh, there was an eclipse, and then there was one when I was in middle school. Okay. And the one when I was in middle school, that was when I was in New Hampshire, but I remember that, of course, the classic, they make you look through those weird slits the, in paper. Yeah. Or, the, or the, those, or those, hole those one. special glasses. Yeah. Anyway, one kid... Just stared at the phone awesome. whole time. Oh my God. Super blind Did now. damage to his cornea, yeah. but it, it recovered. But he did, I think, I feel like he had a patch for Ugh. a couple days Oh, man. Because he just didn't believe the instructions he was Ugh. given. It Some just people, smelled of burnt retina. I mean, oh. honestly, I was like, I was like, I mean, at the time I was probably smoking pot, but okay. I would not stare at an eclipse. Because you can only rebel in certain ways and True. not others, yeah. right? you got to so, pick your battles. Yeah. yeah. So,
1: well, you know, like, the world needs some people who are going to, you know, break some ground. The dreamers. Ooh,
2: the dreamers. But oh yeah. <laughs> the guy who thinks he might be the first successful staring at an eclipse yeah. guy. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. No, this is totally working. Yeah. They're like, oh my god, this kid is an it. eclipse prodigy. <laughs> <laughs> He's eclipsing
1: at a 50-year-old man's level. He made it it three seconds in. That's a record. Yeah. He's only got
2: partial blindness. (laughs) Anyway, writing, right, guys?
1: (laughs) But that's great. So I'm glad we got you before uh, you go because this is exciting. Catherine is moving to Los Angeles for a few for a month, a few months? Yeah, well,
2: so I have a job for six weeks, That's and I'm going to do that, and it's for a television pilot, and then when I come back, it's that old classic waiting game of, like, is it going to be a show, is it not going to be a show? Um, but it's also good, because it's like a six-week trial period to see if my fiancé Dan's is too much of a ginger to live in Southern California. <laughs> to see if she can weather yeah, it. Yeah, to, <laughs> to see if the SPF goes high enough for her <laughs> oh. to live there. Um, but mean, yeah, what? we'll see. We'll see.
0: Bill Burr lives in LA and he's That's okay a good point. with it. And he talks about being he's a, a, ginger a, a yeah. dangerous ginger as well. Sure,
1: he is very much a ginger. It just means we're going to have to connect Dan's up with a more elaborate supply of hats. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. she loves
2: a hat. Yeah. She loves a hat, and she wears a hat well, so it's fine. But, um, yeah, so we'll go for six weeks. We're going to see how it is. I love L.A. I've always loved L.A. Every time I've gone, I've cried on the plane home, literally <laughs> not wanting to come home. And the, the best part of L.A., I don't know. You haven't been. You said. I've Have never you been? been. I've been. The best part of L.A. for me as a person is um. sometimes you'll just be driving down a street, and then there'll be a house. And next to the house will be a cactus that is as big as the house. (laughs) I don't know if you've seen that before, but... I was more
0: floored by the palm trees and how ridiculously huge they are.
2: Yeah, they're very big and they're beautiful. I lived in South Florida for six years, so I had my fill of palm trees. Yeah, you're done
0: with the palm trees.
2: Well, especially after a hurricane because they have very shallow root networks. Because you can just take a palm tree with like a tree picker and just pull it out without even digging a hole. But that means during, you know, a Category 5 hurricane, for example. They'll just go flying. Yikes. And then no one has any power forever. And Uh, you spend three weeks sweating your balls off and uh. drinking warm beer Uh. with your college roommates. That's just my experience (laughs)
1: specifically, but yeah. I guess British people drink warm beer.
0: Well, they do, but they're designed to be warm. Okay. Whereas our beers are more like, yeah.
2: Yeah. And American beers are especially designed to be like... Chris. like liquid refreshing. nitrogen cold right. yeah. because they taste like garbage otherwise <laughs> right
0: so. yeah like if you have a budweiser when it's super icy cold it's amazing but yeah. by the time you're done with that thing it's no. garbage no, Water, it's garbage
2: yeah i once uh i used to throw a lot of house parties at my place in in boca raton and i would buy there's one 7-eleven for some reason they carried moose head there's probably mm. a lot of snowbirds in the area. Sure. Anyway, uh, I made all my friends have moosehead beer for one night. I bought like a couple 24 cases. And the first sip, every single person almost spit it out because they were like, uh, Why, is why does flavor? this taste like something? <laughs> right. Because they're used to drinking, you know, your, Corona, down, yeah. your yeah. Corona, your Budweiser's, Bud Light your, Lime. Oh, or your <laughs> Miller Mi- Light? Miller Light, which Miller, oh. never hit here. No, or Miller High Life, which is what, like it's like the hipster version of Miller mm. Light.
0: We went on a baseball road trip to Milwaukee last summer, mm. and we got the uh, Miller Lights for the road trip is. if you're
2: gonna do a baseball road trip I feel like you gotta go to Milwaukee or Boston is also a fun one yep. but Chicago cause on Bo- if you go to the Boston one you can kind of swing through Cooperstown and oh, go to the yeah, baseball
0: yeah, Hall of Fame way. oh I didn't realize Boston was that close to it and it's, not, close. The Cooperstown it's
2: not it's that not that close like a, but, but when you're you you coming to from York, here yeah. oh, okay. you're cutting across usually you take the Massachusetts Turnpike or whatever all the way across upstate that New York sense. but you can just kind of dip into Cooperstown and then get back on your way
0: <sighs> that sounds fun yeah
2: When we were going out in New York,
1: we drove through.
0: Ratch? Yes. Vermont.
1: What's that city that's near Cooperstown, and it's the biggest city? Albany. No. Rochester. Rochester. It's
2: gone. I'm not gonna figure it out until. Schenectady.
1: No, but I love the word
2: Schenectady. (laughs) Yeah, I love Schenectady, and I love. um, Where does everyone fucking park their cars? There's this one city where the only thing it's useful for is driving, parking your car, and then taking a train into Manhattan. That makes sense. What? It's something with a P. Anyway, no. No. There's a lot of weird, but yeah, if you're gonna do that, Poughkeepsie. 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 Thank you. Cooperstown. My mom's. My mom and my dad both went to Cornell, so they have friends who live just outside of Cooperstown. Is it Binghamton? Is no, Binghamton nearby. Uh, Binghamton isn't far, okay. and I actually had a friend who went to school in Binghamton because there's yeah. a SUNY there, uh, SUNY that's... Binghamton. But the uh, with like her, my mom's friends and my dad's old friends who lived in, in right by Cooperstown. If you walk in there to the town, it's like being on the set of. Like a Stephen K- King oh, miniseries. Yeah. Nice. Because it's that small town. Yes. New like, England. It kind of looks like a New England small town. Yeah. yeah. And it's beautiful. Oh, that's jelly, guys. Yeah, it's yeah, a very boring. <laughs> it's a very boring. She's like, music. change the subject. <laughs> She's like, no more baseball talk. It's funny, too, because I hate baseball. Oh. So. Uh, well, there goes my Dodgers question. No, no, <laughs> I have no Dodgers answers for you. Well, you could go see the clip in the Lakers. Mm-hmm. For you. Well, that's exciting. So you're going to be writing? A, so uh, I'm not writing. No, You're no. not? Okay. I'm not writing. I can't say what the show is, but if it goes to series, obviously I will come back in a blaze of glory and brag about it. Yay. Um. But I'm doing research of all things, right. actually, which is funny because the submission packet for research was not that dissimilar from a writing packet for show. That
1: makes sense. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. The process, I was... When they said... When they wrote me back and were like, oh, s- send us this packet... I was like, oh, yeah, this isn't that far off from what some people I know who are submitting for, you know, late-night shows right. are sending in, so.
1: Well, for our writer friends who are listening, uh, what uh, what kind of stuff did you have to include in your research package?
2: It was specific things they asked for, like, they basically, um, they had, like, a few different sort of... Sections or segments of it, and they were just asked for you to find, like you know, find some headlines and then right. find more information, and you know, identify the key players and what they got up to, and identify any like tidbits that are interesting and right. that kind of thing. So it, was, it it took, and they said in the in the instructions even like take a couple days to do this. Don't so just
1: you could do your research, answer
2: their questions, but put your little spin on right, and they want the that yeah. because. I mean, anything that gives the writers a, a leg up, I think, yeah. is what they're looking for. So, having having someone who for you know who comes from a comedy background and also kind of a weird research background because I've been a legal assistant for ten years oh, and too. I've done yeah, lots you're... of research for various jobs, um, and I also have a journalism background. Right, I was the editor in chief of my college newspaper. No big deal, guys. <laughs> Circulation 25,000. What was bad. the name of the. Is it still on? Is it still going? What, the paper? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the Florida Atlantic University newspaper. Shout out. I mean, not such a shout out because I left really bad terms. Oh, great. Okay. As I do everything, <laughs> as I do everything, I'm like, I have pretty much 48 hours left in Toronto before I leave for L.A., and I'm trying to figure out if there's any feuds I want to start. Yeah, you gotta get something going before... Because you... I feel like in the comedy community, you just have to stay relevant. It doesn't matter in what way. If regards. it's a good relevance or a bad one. It's true. I mean, it's the like thing is, being, like, kid. a bad... Having bad relevance when compared to the general population of comics might actually mean you're a really they good person. Really good. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So...
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think you're probably the reason that the tone of the Toronto stand-up Facebook group has sort of changed.
2: Yeah. Because it
1: used to just be, like, well, m- woman-hating. Yeah, oh. well, the
2: problem, that, the, the real problem with the online Facebook groups in any, in any topic, but also especially the Toronto one, is that I think about 25% of stand-up comedians, anywhere you go, are people who have... They're somewhere on the... A attention deficit to yeah. opposition oppositional defiant disorder. I don't know if you know that. Oh. Was that where you just disagree with anything you're told? Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like think of the kid in school who set his desk on fire. That's right. what that is. The ah. kid who stared at the sun for too long. So months. it's ODD. Yeah. It's called. And I feel like twenty five percent of comics are on that spectrum. You're saying Anywhere they're you go. They are odd. <laughs> <laughs> the face you made to say that was, like, such a funny theater aside. <laughs> you were like, ugh. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I think anywhere you go, you're probably going to dislike 25% of the comedians. Now, that means 75% are totally normal or, you know, you feel neutral about them. Acceptable. You don't yeah. think about them. Mm-hmm. But there's always that, that quarter of them that you just yep. want to punch in the face. I They're will. there
1: just to stir shit mm-hmm. and to start nonsense. Well, maybe we should talk about uh, how you got into stand-up since you mm-hmm. did study uh, or you went like how would you make that leap from journalism school to comedy?
2: I mean, I've always been huge on comedy. Okay. I I was always a huge like I love David Letterman, I love Conan, I watched every stand-up special that aired on like the early Version of Comedy Central. You're lucky because you grew up in the states. you actually got to see this. Yeah, but the thing is, I also come like when I lived in the states, we were very poor, and we only had cable for like a year and a half. So that year and a half kind of (laughs) distilled itself in my brain. Yeah, where almost all that I consumed in that year and a half of and I didn't have cable again until I was 32 years old, wow. or no, 31. Man, so it burned it. It burned in there. itself <laughs> into my brain, and the things that most of like I watched the most were the O.J. Simpson trial. Okay. <laughs> um, have you been watching that John Travolta nonsense? Uh, <laughs> I want to, but again, like we don't. We got rid of our cable right. recently. Um, Samesies. It works. Yeah. You know, Netflix, whatever. It's fine. Um, but. So I watched the O.J. trial. I watched stand-up specials on the weird early version of Comedy Central. I watched David Letterman, Conan when he started. The oh, early Conan. The Simpsons. Oh yeah. And uh, the State. You know, all those guys from the State. Okay, we didn't get the State. But well, yeah. but they. It's like Tom Lennon, like all the Michael Ian Black, all the guys from well, Reno, like 9-11. half of Hollywood
0: was in it. at Yeah, some point. and they're
2: all super successful, like screenwriters yeah. and shit. And then you have like. Um, what's his name? Who's, he does the Risk podcast. Um. Who is that guy? What is that guy? I'm, I've done a workshop with him before. He's really cool. Kevin Allison. Yeah, Jill knows him because she did that podcast. She did that podcast, yeah. yeah. And, uh, so the state was really, like, huge. And I feel like growing up in Canada, obviously, there's lots of comedy here. Oh, you get the kids,
0: the kids are still going. yeah.
2: Exactly. When I went to
1: Ottawa, I was impressed because not one person... And I was like, what's your favorite sketch show? Not on the mention of the kids in the hall. I was like, oh, God, I'm old.
2: Yeah, you are. We are.
0: (laughs) Oh, I thought it would still be playing on TV.
2: No, I mean, I think for the young kids now, if they don't have access to, like, the DVDs. Oh, all right. Or, I don't even know if it's, like, on Netflix. I don't think it is. No. Well, they they released
1: it on, what's this, like, comedy streaming network that they have in the U.S. right now. I can't think of the name, yeah, but... Yeah, but they've got some... Crackle? Thing. Is it Crackle? Ooh, I don't know if it's Crackle, okay. but it's...
0: Yeah, it's like Netflix for comedy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I feel like... I don't know if it was the Comedy Network online here, yeah. or somewhere online they decided to put them online, because for a while I saw the kids were, like, taking interviews on yeah. a bunch of different shows uh, and stuff. But, but, yeah, like, it used to be on the Comedy Network, and so... Right. right. Yeah. It was on... You would just... I've got nothing to do. Let's watch some TV. Oh, the kids in horror on. As a kid, I watched
2: them like
1: religiously, and
2: and like SNL. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they all. Oh yeah, back then
0: that was a good crop of SNL. Oh,
2: and when I was when I was like, I remember being like nine or ten, and I would there was this one kid on the block. He'd have everyone over to watch Saturday Night Live, and we get to stay up late and sleep over at his house. And, uh, I just remember watching, like, you know, the classic, like, Mike Myers. Dina Carvey. Carvey. Chris Farley. Like, every oh. single person was a, a legend. Yeah. Like, you can't even not no. mention any yeah. of them. And, uh, yeah, so I've always been into comedy, and then I didn't do it at all until I started doing improv. I moved to Toronto in 2006, in March. March is a, a very big moving month. In Apparently, there. Yeah. yeah. I've moved, like... Thousands of miles in various marches, like it's it's really weird. Um, but I moved here in March on St. Patty's Day, and it is the anniversary. It's my ten year Toronto Uh anniversary this week, actually. So. Fucking piecing out. Yeah, and for <laughs> for like a year or two, I didn't do anything. I was just working, and then um, once I got out of nonprofit where you have to give your soul to them, right? Uh-huh. And I started working in legal side of things. So I you started what
1: nonprofit? Not for profit. Were you I used
2: at? to work for a bunch of film festivals. I was oh, gosh. Gotcha. Doing you know, okay. freelance grant writing. And oh, okay. A lot of like youth youth events, like right. programming. I worked. I worked with schools. I I worked at a like an arts. Center in Weston. Cool. Yeah, I did a lot of stuff with like art and kids, and I loved it. But it was like, you, I ate lentils for two years, um, (laughs) like almost exclusively. And then I came, I finally got a day job, day job, and that gave me the freedom to start doing improv classes. So Maybe 2007, late 2007, early 2008, I started doing improv. And then at I've been... Second
1: City or at uh, Nope, TC? I
2: actually learned improv from Project Project. Ah. The super group of Toronto Improv, which I truly think this group of people, they're like the Upright Citizens Brigade of Toronto. So we're talking about Sean Tavares, yes. Julie Dumay who runs Bad Dog, yep. Alex Tyndall, who's like maybe one of my favorite performers, so period. He's Not so in good. this country, but like, anywhere. Yeah. Um, Mark Andrade, who yes. is, like, famously, like, the tech guy yeah. slash, like, ultimate clown. Yeah. Um, and they basically, and then there was a bunch of other people who were, like, you know, doing stuff with them, but, like, so like, Bob were, Banks was involved. Like okay. There was a lot of other people, too, who were, like, kind of in it in the beginning and then not later, but, I didn't um, realize
1: they used to give workshops and
2: stuff. That's how I started improv okay. in the city. And then, from there, I ended up taking classes at ITC. Right. Because they, at the time, they were the only place... This is the Impatient Theater Company, which is now no. defunct, I Go believe. On. Yeah, oh yeah. They were the only ones doing long-form improv. Yeah, close that and down. More. And uh, so I took classes mm-hmm. with them. Okay. And I did uh, a bunch of stuff still. Project, project, mostly did workshops. They brought a lot of cool people in. Do you know Christian Capazzoli? I do not. He's from the, he started out of the Magnet Theater. Oh, okay, in New York. Yeah. Yeah. And he does this style, he and his, his improv team that he, I don't know if they're still going, but they're called 4-Track. Okay. And they do this fast pace, like, think of Mantown, basically Mantown is a ripoff. off Okay. 4-Track of style. It's four-hander, very quick, very, like, associative. And so he would come and teach stuff through Project Project. And um, so I got to meet all these wicked people, not just from Toronto, but from all over North America. And I did Impatient, which was like so-so. Right. (laughs) But I met some cool people. Yeah. And then eventually, at some point after I'd been doing improv for a few years, I said, all right, stand up. Let's do it. And my my improv teammate Amber Harper Young, who's oh I love her, every, everyone loves her. Yeah. She's based out of Vancouver now, and she's so funny. Yeah, and she looks like a young Joni Mitchell.
1: Yeah. Oh.
2: And she said, I've been doing stand up for like nine months. When are you gonna start? And I'm like, I'll start right now. So nice. And then the first I well, like not the first show, but maybe like the second or third show I ever did, I met Natalie Norman. Makes sense. And. You know. The rest is history. It's all history. It's <laughs> all
1: history. Just like. A uh, herstory. It's
2: story. Yeah. Just like a full like seven or eight years of like, like dealing with a lot of garbage that wasn't necessary, but also doing a lot of really cool shows with yeah. cool people. And
1: you ran a couple great shows. I did.
2: I, I was like doing producing for a bit and um, got to meet a lot of cool people that way. Hannibal Burris came and did my show once. Oh, nice. Yeah, it would be cool. Like, I've had a a few shows where, like, random cool guests would drop in. But, uh, yeah. So, I've just been doing that ever since. And
1: And you just recently
2: separated from the date job. I did. We had a conscious uncoupling. Oh, that's nice. Uh, (laughs) I pretty much just lost my mind for a bit and i was like i can't i can't work here anymore it's been yeah i've had a day job pretty much since i graduated like the day i graduated i got a day job and i've had one ever since so i graduated in 2004 okay and uh now i'm tired yeah yeah i'm done i'm done doing a day job 40 hours a week plus yeah and then and like the plus was nuts because, like, the job I worked for was a very intensive finance job dealing with all the highest power players in the country. And sometimes, you know, they'd be like, oh, we need you to stay late because we have a Supreme K- K- Court case tomorrow. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, and then doing another 20 plus hours of stand-up and stuff on top yeah. of that. It's cray-cray. For probably the past, I don't know, eight, eight-ish years. Yeah. Like, too much.
1: Yeah, it's a lot. When that's what—that's uh, the whole
0: nature of this podcast, actually. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like having to do your day job and doing your,
2: your dream at the same time. Yeah. And, and you're, and you're and doing the do pro move of turning the one into the other. Well, the thing is, I was always very resistant to make my creative job my day job oh, yeah. because I have lived in abject poverty okay, for right. many years when I was a teenager and... I just wasn't interested in not eating anymore. Yeah. Like, I moved to Toronto. It took a full eight months for anyone to hire me because all my job experience was in the States. Yeah. Oh. And if you're from the States, you might as well be from the moon. So stupid. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And so I had this day job. I had a several. I had a series. But this last one was five and a half years. And I just was like, no, no more. I can't. Like, for my mental health, for my actual just, like, well-being... I can't do it, and so luckily enough, we left on good terms. Like I'd been there so long, I never had benefits the whole time I was at that job because the job was supposed to be a year when I started. Oh, okay. So it was one of those where every year they extend it, yeah, and then I'd be like, oh, I can't not work, yeah, because that's you know my yeah. thing.
1: I'm I'm amazed at the amount of people I see ha- try having a go at it before they're like seasoned enough to make that kind of transition. Right. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of these people just move to the city and, and then live, like, poor as fuck. mm uh, I, I don't think I... You know, I like, would never. I have too much debt to pay back. That's why right. I need a job.
2: There's something also that happens, and, like, there's, I, there's certain people I know in comedy who have the same experience where once you've lived in poverty, you will never allow yourself to not have as much... Resources available to you as possible, even if it means like I know people who are lawyers and then have a second job. Wow, yeah. Just because they're reacting to a childhood that oh. was full of, you know, lack of no guaranteed right? income and ugh. yeah. And I think they they call that it's like um it, when you're dealing with dogs they call it being a resource gardener, but when you're dealing with people it's like you're just reacting to living in a a scarce environment. Yeah. So it's this idea of scarcity where you can never have enough to feel fully secure because you've gone through times where you've been... Like,
1: I guess that makes sense, right? Because it's like, it's why... Um, like our grandparents, who might not necessarily have gone through the Depression, but right. their parents had. Or, or they were or babies. They and, or like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they
2: were babies in the Depression, and, and then they, they lived like through on rationing, right? Rest, like the exactly. war and yeah. everything, yeah.
1: And they hold on to all kinds of crap now, yeah. and you're like, you, you don't need this. And, and like, even oh, the I baby mind.
2: boomers, there's yeah. like a weird thing. Like, anyone I know whose parents grew up vaguely working class, like, I have a lot of friends, their moms are hoarders. Yeah. Like, a dozen. A dozen moms I know who are, like, baby boomer hoarders because they grew up with nothing. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to shake that. But the thing is, having a day job also served me well because if I hadn't gotten that initial day job, I would have never started doing comedy because I couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford the hobby of comedy when I was working doing nonprofit for 60 hours a week and getting paid, like, Sixteen thousand dollars a year before yeah. taxes. Ugh. Sixteen eight. That was oh, man. my my first job in Toronto. Paid sixteen thousand eight hundred dollars. And
1: you were probably working and I was there your for ass a year off. and a yeah. half.
2: And and during when we had events, sometimes thirteen hour days, uh, like ugh. just nightmare. Ugh. But that's the thing. I think nonprofit jobs are meant for bougie people. Like mm-hmm. the children of bougie people should take those jobs. And then they can use their guilt Mm, on helping other people. Whereas me, I was just like, after a year and a half, I was like... I I need to get paid. I would (laughs) like to eat a vegetable that doesn't come out of a can. Yeah. Like, I would like to buy milk that is not in powder form. Yeah. Mm. Some point as an adult, I would (laughs) like that. So, yeah. Anyway. uh, Having the day job was the best thing for me. And then it's... It... Like just this last year it stopped being the best thing yeah because I said you know I'm getting married I'm doing all this life transition stuff yeah let's take the time to not you know overwhelm ourselves with work and career like work creativity all this other stuff um I would rather work part-time and do creative stuff yeah than work full-time and have no energy left at the end of the day to write yeah. or to go to a show, to Plan whatever. Right. <laughs> Plan yeah. a wedding, which takes a lot Apparently of patience. Apparently it
1: does. I did not realize. It takes a lot of patience. <laughs> yeah.
2: It takes a lot of energy. A lot of time. Mm-hmm. A lot of time. A lot of money. Oh, fun. Well, that's exciting. Yeah.
0: Do you have like American citizenship? My mom's American. Okay, so, I've always so you got don't have it. the green card issue then. Mm-mm. Cool.
2: No, my girlfriend is going to try and figure out what her green card situation is. Well, she doesn't want to become a citizen of U.S. Okay. So, Um, would
1: she have to? Because she is a dual citizen as well, but not within the U.S. In
2: Europe, right? She could get her okay. EU. Right. And the thing is, it's tricky because if we wanted to go to the EU, I could go and under her. Right. Uh-huh. And in the states, she can come under me. Nice. But. uh, And she did. I think she is probably going to just get like permanent resident status. Like when my mom married my dad, everyone should have known that they were going to divorce. (laughs) She never. No, she lived in Canada for like 12 years and never became a citizen. She's like, I'm not giving up my U.S. citizenship. Fuck you guys. Like. It's kind of a good point though. I I mean, honestly, like. The queen is still on our money. Yeah. And my mom is like the kind of Yankee, (laughs) New New Hampshire Yankee that like wishes Abraham Lincoln was our president. Like she's very pro overthrowing tyranny, but also she's a Republican. So, Oh, they're big on that right now. They really are. I think
0: they think that getting free health care is tyrannical.
2: Well, I mean, I've gone through the Canadian health system my whole life in various capacities. And I can say I wouldn't necessarily disagree that it's tyrannical well i
0: mean you get like it. if the government
2: but from the state like okay i i came from my mom's from the live free or die state we when i lived there as a kid when i i moved there from i was there from 10 to 18 right 17. when i lived there you did not need to wear a seatbelt unless you were over 13 12-year-old girls and 13-year-old boys could get married legally and become emancipated because they were married. Wow. You did not have to wear a motorcycle helmet. And any person who looked any age could buy a pack of cigarettes for $1.75 from the <laughs> corner store because all you had to say was, they're for my mom. Right. Oh. Uh- live free or die. And so those people, and Canadians, I think, it's a it's a weird dynamic. Like, they don't always get it. Like, Americans would rather die than have a government agent decide oh, whether sucks. or not yeah. they get a new kidney. They would oh. actually rather die. And people don't get that because Canadian history and Canadian culture is very different. And they yeah. and Canadians agree with that more than Americans because Americans don't know what Canada is like yeah, fair at case. all. Yeah. Um, but... Canadians go on vacation to America and they think they get it but they don't get they it still at all. Yeah. Cuz when I moved to New Hampshire from Ottawa, it was the biggest culture shock. I
1: get. Ottawa too because it's, it's very, very diverse. Yeah, it is. and
2: and I grew up with like the kids of like poor immigrants from South Asia and I grew up with like the children of diplomats. Right. And hmm. then I moved to New Hampshire where everyone's white. Yep. Everyone's family has been there since the Mayflower. Right. And they all like like walking to school in the morning, you would walk by a cemetery that was from like seventeen hundred yeah. and see all the how many dead name. babies everyone had. Because oh, there's yeah. so many dead Victorian pre Victorian babies. And then you go to school and they'd teach you all about like Orange how New 12. Hampshire <laughs> like there's a tree in New Hampshire where like there's a bullet from Paul Revere's gun still. Oh, okay. Like they're hardcore old school overthrow tyranny don't pay ta- like there's no there's no say, state state s- taxes in new hampshire
1: isn't that the case in pennsylvania as well i think so yeah which is why a bunch of canadians go shopping down there
2: yeah Erie. yeah mm-hmm. that's huge mm-hmm. michigan same i think
1: so oh yeah the, i was like so how do we get on this subject but we were talking about health yeah
2: okay sorry no nope. it's fine
1: And you were asking about healthcare because... Oh, yeah. Because you didn't know she had
2: her do a Yeah, I just wanted to get that figured out. Um, Yeah, because
1: that's... For a lot of people, that's the most complicated thing. It's how do I get to work in the States? Well,
2: getting a visa is very tough, but if you're a performer, there's the um, Cirque du Soleil visa, they call it. Okay. Where you just have to basically prove you have exceptional skills in some area. And uh, if you have a good agent, they can prove that. Yeah, cool. Right. For me... It's never been an issue, but I do think there's something about Toronto that it's a really beautiful incubator for talent because no one ever gets work in their oh. creative field. Yeah, everyone's just fighting over weird scraps like Tim Hortons commercials. Yeah. But as a result, you meet people who've been doing stand up in the city for 35 years, and they're amazing. Seasoned, yeah, yeah. That somebody told me that
1: recently. They were kind of like. Uh, Toronto's great because like then by the time you're you're you've grown out of Toronto and you decide to make that move to either New York or LA, you're you get ready. to LA and everybody there is just sort of starting out and kind of garbage yeah. and you just got there
2: but you've got like ten mm. over yep. ten
1: years of experience
2: and, and that's why them. like Norm MacDonald, his famous like thing he always says is like coming out of Canada, mm-hmm. you have all this experience because there's nothing else to do but keep doing it, <laughs> right. right? And the kids in the hall are like that, like yeah. they, um anyone of that sort of era, right? There's nothing to do but keep performing, keep, doing keep it. trying, yeah. keep. Well, the kids had a show like a, a like a live show for years before years they got at the Rivoli, TV show, yeah. yeah. And uh, in Toronto, it's funny because people always get on my jock like, why aren't you in the states? Like, why don't you? And I'm like. You haven't lived in the states, but I have. Right, and the the United States actively tried to kill me for like fifteen years. Ugh. Like I had a f- cardiac arrest when I was fourteen. Holy shit! And my family lost our house as a result, foreclosed because they had to pay for homelessness, them. all this shit. And then when I moved to college to university in Florida, I went through five major hurricanes in Ugh. four and a half oh, years. Man. My mother, who's lived back and forth in Florida her whole life, has never seen a hurricane. I've seen oh, five. Oh, my God. Uh,
0: so, people in L.A., make sure your earthquake insurance is in No, order. well, don't even say that,
2: because my girlfriend is, like, super scared of earthquakes, and she's like, you know, the big ones coming. <laughs> that's her, like, thing. She's like, i got to look up, like, earthquake safety before we go. And I'm like, okay, well. Do you have a
0: place lined up? Yeah. <sighs> yeah We're
2: staying fun. in an Airbnb. Okay, but the lady who runs it is like a super California hippie. Nice. So like, it's we're making. She'll stage. let she'll let artists like pay her in a sculpture kind of thing. Oh, <laughs> <All right, she's laughs> that's that lady. nice. And when the first second I saw her her listing, I was like, "That's the place I'm taking." And it was like a bedroom in her house, right? But then because my girlfriend just recently had a huge medical emergency, that's her crazy. appendix came out. It was terrifying. Just uh-huh. she's. Yesterday was a week anniversary of her getting her emergency. Because she was like fine,
1: she'd never had any problems. Or no, had she... she had had oh, problems, okay.
2: but we it was like three months ago. We didn't know it was the appendix. Oh, okay. So um, so anyway, I messaged, messaged her back, and I was like, I don't know when I'm coming. My girlfriend's sick. I'll keep you posted. She's Super nice. And then since Dan's can't work for another few weeks, she's coming with. Right. And I said can my girlfriend and my two small dogs come? And this lady was like, I love dogs. Aww. I love girlfriends. Oh, perfect. <laughs> and I was like, yeah! So, uh, yeah, so we're all going now. Yay! Yeah.
1: Well, that's fun. And she, yeah. she could try it out for a bit, see if she... Uh... Yeah,
2: my thing is, I just can't winter in Canada anymore. Ugh. I grew up in In Ottawa, right so you've done your time so I've done my time yeah. and then it. <laughs> I lived in South Florida it ruined me for the cold and I'm done I'm That's done I have seasonal I have, I... yeah I have seasonal effective Ugh. like Get and one of those lamps. I told her I was like if you hate l a yeah, I have two nice <laughs> I'm like if you hate l a we can just live in Toronto, but I'm gonna spend three months of the year either in LA, somewhere
1: where there's sun,
2: or Austin, Texas. Nice, oh. that's true. That's a you very artsy You have to RC make place. all the s yeah. sounds z's when Os- you say Austin, Z- Z- Texas. Z- Texas. Z- <laughs> uh, and I was like, even if I have to just be like early retiree, three months of the year in South Florida, <laughs> you
1: gotta I'll do, do it. what you gotta
2: do. I gotta do it
0: because uh.
2: sometimes the winter here.
0: Existential hell.
2: No, it's it, it's nightmarish. And it's true. Toronto it takes, it takes is this, a lot
1: out of you. Like
2: of all the major cities in Canada, Vancouver gets the least amount of sun. Right. And I think Toronto's second. Oh. Ottawa, Calgary, Montreal, all sunnier. Yeah, than because Toronto. they'll have that thing
1: where it's like so cold but mm-hmm. the sun's out. Oh, that doesn't count. Right? It's super
2: sunny and it's No, so- Ottawa and, and then in the winter, yeah, it's sunny. It's always clear in the winter, exactly. unless it's actively snowing. Freaking cold though. But then there's so much snow, yeah. it reflects the sun. Yeah. Yes. Whereas and here it's
1: like it's cloudy, and it, it, it's always kind of gray.
2: It's always kind of damp.
1: But yeah, and it's not. But it's not as
2: cold. Because, and we like, don't get the snow that, that like Buffalo it. gets. Yeah. yeah that but, you get right like, effect, the but the rain
0: lake of The engine, but we get
2: the overcast. Yeah.
0: You weather know. pod.
1: Oh, we made it. We uh, <laughs> always end up going into some kind of talk well, about the but weather. But that's
2: my thing: is like I need fifty percent or more sunny days, Okay. Yeah. to be not crazy. Well, we have Trudeau now. I know. So <laughs> he might bring the sun. He might. Uh, he but yeah, I just either kind either of feel in. like, even it's if I just—I mean, yeah. like this job, I, I feel like
1: when she when she goes down there, she'll be like. Like, check out all of this. You know what I mean? No,
2: and the thing is, like, the thing people never give Los Angeles credit for is, like, people think they romanticize, like, going to New York and being an artist. And it's terribly expensive, but, like, you might live in a tiny cupboard in someone's actual house that's literally from Ikea, and that's your bedroom. And people are, like, so romantic about it, but people are like, LA's gross. Everyone's fake. It's smoggy. It's dirty. But the thing is... It's beautiful. It's sunny. You can go to the mountains in an hour. You can go to the beach in an hour. They dealt
0: with smog, basically.
2: And the thing is, like, once you're there, there's so many artists. There's so many cool, weird, like, art installations. Like, even if you drive outside the city an hour, you can be in what literally looks like the Rocky Mountains. Right. It's crazy. Like, not an hour. Maybe two. Like, if you head past, like, Pasadena. Right. Or San Bernardino. You go up that way. Tons of mountains. So
1: even if you end up, you know, in California, like, oh, right. you, I mean, there's, you don't necessarily have to stay in L.A., L.A., you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, the I you would for work, you would, well, the is crazy. Well, my work,
2: whole yeah. thing I told Dan's was like, let's go see how it is. Yeah. Even if this show goes nowhere, even if I never work in television again because I hate everybody, <laughs> <laughs> I can do legal assistant right. and freelance writer in yes. Toronto, or I can do it in L.A. Yeah. Oh. Or I can do it half of the time in Toronto, half exactly. the time in LA. You could do
1: it where the hell you want, really. Yeah, yeah.
2: Exactly. So that's my thing. And she's on board. Yeah, so that's what so does she do? dances a dog walker and trainer. Okay. She recently. Oh, there's a market for that in LA, I'm sure. I'm sure yes. <laughs> there are dogs down there. And they love dogs. Everyone has a dog, and we have two. And uh, yeah, I think she will probably find work. Easily, once she gets her, you know, green card, yeah. fiance, visa, whatever, whatever she ends up doing. But uh, yeah, six weeks, that's nothing. Jealous. Yeah. I love going to a Dodgers game. I know you have been like, no, to baseball, but, I, but I've been to a Dodgers game and it's it was great. So yeah. much better, right? It's so fun.
0: Oh, it's, the weather's perfect. The uh... stadium's gorgeous. Dodger dogs. It is. It's nice. It's, and... You don't even know. Like,
1: Does Dan's like baseball? No. Oh. No. She has a soccer, soccer
2: game.
0: Oh, well, yeah. there's two soccer teams mm-hmm. well there will be again galaxy and galaxy and la fc i think
2: the best part about dance is she does not really care about men's sports oh uh they probably have more soccer. no teams. but that's what i'm saying like okay i because I, I always i have four older brothers i'm not a huge sports person as a result. And then Dan's is the opposite of my brothers. She could not give a shit about men's sports. So we went to the women's World Cup. We might as well have gone to the All Star Game for the uh, for basketball. Like that was her version of uh, seeing like Kobe Bryant.
1: Yeah, because she is excited oh,
2: about that. And we saw ladies' basketball. And we saw China versus USA for soccer. We saw China versus USA. It was a great game. Uh-huh. But yeah, I actually love women's basketball the most. That's my favorite. Sport. Yeah, the sparks, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 There you go. And then tickets are like nothing. Uh, when is it? It's after the NBA season, right? I think During. there's like a maybe a brief overlap. Oh, yeah. Their preseason is sort of when. Anyway, I. Oh, college basketball too. My ladies, big thing. College. My big thing is college football because I went to. Oh, you have to remember. Not so ladyish. I but... went to. I went to school in south florida florida is big football yeah and we got our college football team the year i started in 2000 oh, cool so we got our division 2a team and i never liked sports but i started going to football games all the time for so social fun. reasons and there's nothing funner yeah And in the South, especially, like, you go, and it's a college game, and there's 25,000 people people in the stands, and there's a tailgate that is bigger than, (laughs) like, the St. Lawrence market. And it's all college hotties. It's all college hotties, also, and it's faster, because the NBA guys are older and they're slower. Mm -hmm. And when you watch real college football, it's like, Well, the the difference, like... Special specifically Florida college. Mm-hmm. Like, they're,
0: uh, I watch yeah. a Seminoles game every once in a while, and yeah. their tackles are just... That's insane. That person shouldn't be alive anymore.
2: Well, and the other thing, too, is, like, um, when I started in 2000, the coach of our football team was Howard Schnellenberger, who was the coach of the Dolphins, and was, like, pretty much the only reason the Dolphins ever did well. He was, like, the guy for them, and he was our football coach, and so He the got. Funniest
1: name I've
2: ever heard. Oh, he's crazy. <laughs> he's a, he looks like a human walrus. He has a huge mustache. And he part of his contract was that he got. paid in mustache oil. No, no, no. Even better. He got an antique fire wagon. Wow. Awesome. And he drove it. He could drive it all. Oh, that's amazing. It was not street legal, but he could drive it anywhere on campus. And I'm pretty sure he was drunk most of the time. Oh, that's the best! And so he'd be driving around his antique, like oh, his antique firefighter truck, I feel and like... he'd have all of his football players. Oh, my God. So picture an old, <laughs> fat, white colonizer walrus man like walrus man driving an antique fire wagon around full of just like the most beautiful young talented black football recruits and maybe like you know a couple guys who are like latino and one white guy and oh, then it's like a
0: metaphor for everything that's america it
2: literally is and also p.s our our campus the main campus of my school it had like 10 campuses but the main campus was formerly a World War Two army base, and so huh. most of the campus still was the old tarmac. Oh. oh, okay, right. With the and there were barracks that were all research stations. Huh. But there wow. was like tar- the tarmac where you could take, and everybody drove everywhere on golf carts. Huh. So like I ran the news- I ran the boring, newspaper, yeah. so I had my own, and uh, <laughs> we'd be driving across these tarmacs that just looked like big concrete tiles, and uh, then we'd run into Howard Schnellenberger with all of his <laughs> beautiful young. Like racialized young men, and he'd be just an old, rich, drunk white guy driving them around in a fire wagon. It was the weirdest place on earth.
0: (laughs) I have CNC Music Factory playing in my head right now. (laughs) No,
2: and it was a lot like that, to be honest. Because you couldn't walk from one end of campus (laughs) to the other, because it was like, it was huge, right? But it used to be an Air Force base, yeah. Wow. Anyway, I know, I, so many asides. So many asides. No, that's but what's that, was a fun, to,
0: that was a fun journey, that one. I must, the, yeah. the,
2: the, the best part, too, was that even though everyone was so all about the football stadium, because they just built it now, like maybe, I want to say two years ago, but it took them like 10 years to raise the money to build it. Okay. To go up a division, you have to be able to seat at least 10,000 fans, okay. I think. Or maybe 12,000. And we had, we didn't even have a stadium. We We played in pro player which is the old Miami Dolphins Stadium. It was really gross. And uh they basically finally got the stadium built and they're I think they're moving up or they may have already, but um the the football team got all this attention, but our baseball team were champions for like ten years running. Really? Oh awesome. The blue wave. They won so many titles and like nobody gave a shit about them. But oh, that's a but, weird
0: time in baseball history. Then, because college players got really big mm-hmm. in the, I want to say mid '90s. They
2: started their losing streak about maybe two thousand and five. Like I was done my my bachelor's, and they stopped winning all the time. But they had won oh. so many. Times, cool. and no one cared about them Aww. and they wouldn't change their name all the other teams were the owls because we had these endangered owls on oh, campus okay. burrowing owls they're this big they're the size of your hand are they adorable that and they sounds amazing every stop sign on campus there'd be a tiny owl Aww. and then they relocated them all because they were endangered so they picked them all up and moved them to another place nice. where they wouldn't all die that's smart but they actually burrow in the ground Aww. that's where their nests are that's awesome yeah so every team at school was the Owls, and then the baseball team was the Blue Wave. Oh, all right. What's a, that's kind of a dumb name for a team. Why?
1: Well, I mean, <laughs> what other, what other color wave would there be? I mean, white. Maybe a, a white little white green wave. sometimes. No. There's a
0: lot of seaweed. I don't. I don't Brown. If this. Um, also, what does that have to do with like?
1: Baseball? Baseball.
2: I feel like 50% of being a a successful college baseball player is just being really hot. Same with football, in a way, because the football players were all beautiful as well. It's like a byproduct. Yeah, I think so. You have to be a
0: certain amount of physically fit.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And then
0: then it's 50-50. Is your face nice or not? Has
1: the sport you played rendered you so messed up Mm -hmm. physically
2: that you could still...
1: You know,
0: Look pretty. On a yeah. yeah. So yeah, not yeah. boxing or
2: kickboxing. Yeah, exactly. Well. Yeah, and it's so fast. College ball, like football, they they get so many concussions. It's it's like this is turned into a full sports pod. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, if you need to cut this all out, I right? would be mad. But yeah, I'm what sorry. What part was... of
0: LA here are you going to be in?
2: We are staying in Larchmont which is near, know. it's south of Hollywood. Okay. Because I will be working... Oh shit, I just oh. spilled red Bull, red Bull all over my butt. <laughs> I'd take Red, red Bull over Red Wine. <laughs> no, not Red Wine, I would never. Okay. We were talking about The Artist's Way. Uh-huh.
1: I, like, started the journal thing and then
2: stopped. Every time I'm unemployed, all I do is tell people to do The Artist's Way. Because... You need some time to do it, but once you do, I think it's like a real break- breakthrough. Like creatively, everything. And the woman who wrote it, Julia Cameron, is full bonkers. Isn't that <laughs> awesome. And if you do the artist's way, you kind of get a sense of it, but then when you read her memoir, she's full bonkers. Uh, yeah, you're she, telling me about she was assigned by Rolling Stone. To write this article about this up and coming filmmaker named Martin Scorsese, who at the time I think had mostly just done editing jobs, he hadn't made his first feature yet, she went to interview him in his hotel room and just didn't leave for three days and married him. Oh my god! But then she became such a hardcore cocaine alcoholic (laughs) Hollywood wife that at one point he left, took all the furniture, all everything, all the money... And the kid, I think. And she was just in a Hollywood mansion with almost no furniture, <laughs> living off of her credit account she had at the liquor store. Oh, man. And she was such a hardcore drunk. She would just every day, like, order party platters of, like, nibbles for, like, Food. if we were going to have people over. Oh, okay. And live off that. Wow. And just, like, handles of booze. Yeah. That's, like, the first couple chapters of her memoir.
1: It sort of makes sense because it, there is kind of an element of, like, religion or higher power-y stuff. Which yeah. is a big deal for, like, recovering alcoholics. Mm-hmm. And
2: it's really shaped the way she frames things. That makes sense. So I got to meet Maria Bamford. Oh, uh, Bam Bam. Probably, like, four years ago now. And I've met her a couple of times, but she was at Max Fun Con. I don't know if you know. It's like, um... You know, like, Bullseye, Jesse Thorne, it's, like, all these, like, podcasts. He's, anyway, he's, like, a big L.A., like, podcast okay. guy. Uh-huh. He throws this convention every year, and he just has just nerds. Nice. <laughs> Comedy awesome. nerds come. And it's in the mountains. It's beautiful. But I met Maria Bamford. She was, just sitting by the pool one day. And I had done pub quiz trivia with Cameron Esposito oh, and, and my... Rhea Butcher, at Wait, like is that her wife? hmm Oh, cool. At, like, 10 in the morning and got wasted because it was, like, uh. pub quiz, serious drinking. And then I, I passed out on the lawn for a while. And then I was walking <laughs> back to our this cabin. And this is with Natalie Norman and my okay. friend Arlie. Well, now
1: this makes sense. Yeah.
2: So I'm walking back to my <laughs> cabin. And I run into Maria Bamford who's just doing her, she has a copy of The Artist's Way and she's like doing her, like writing pages. And I sat her down and I was like, you have to read her memoir. You have no idea how bonkers this lady (laughs) is. Yes. The stories in her book, like at one point she started hearing voices singing songs about Merlin. Wow. (laughs) And Arthurian legend in her head. So she just moved to England.
1: That's amazing. She didn't have a music
2: background at all. She bought a mini- like, keyboard, and plunked out the songs that she's hearing in her head.
0: Oh my god.
2: And then, and the whole time, because she's bipolar, she didn't know yet. Oh, okay. She was in a full disassociative state. I bet. And at one point, in her memoirs, she describes being in London, hearing all these songs in her head. And then, at one point, she's lost, and she's like, she doesn't know what the fuck's going on. And this kindly little old man, British man, takes her by the hand, And brings her to this, like, private... You know how they have those, like, private parks in London where, like, they're fenced in? Well, this could go several ways. Uh, So he brings her there. He's like, don't worry, dear. Everything's going to be all right. And then he rapes her. Oh, shit. It went that way. Mm -hmm.
1: It's the most polite rape I've ever heard
2: about. It's insane. And her whole book is that crazy. At one point, the universe tells her she needs to heal her way through all of her illness and alcohol addiction and everything. It's a good call on the uh, universe's part right universe, there. Through yeah. horses. Ah! So she moves to New Mexico and buys a horse ranch. Like, anyway. I mean, we've all been there. But, but, I mean, true, we have. Uh, I mean, I, I won't speak for you, but I almost bought a horse ranch, like, in Guelph, you know? Just almost did it. But anyway, she's crazy. and But when you do her... When you follow what she says, it works.
1: You find yourself being more
2: creative. To the point that when I stopped working in January, like there was a couple of weeks where I was just like fucked.
1: You're like decompressing. from. And then
2: I was like, oh, I should off. do the, I should read one of her follow-ups to The Artist Way. So I started reading one called Finding Water, and it's about like dealing with rejection and oh, okay. depression and stuff when you're a creative.
1: be great for you, Nick.
2: I know it's really, really good. You should. <laughs> and I I started doing it and like within two weeks I had so many ideas and like oh. creative projects flowing through me all the time that I probably have like six TV show pilot bibles written now. That's amazing. Oh, just yeah. from the month of like end of January to middle of February. That's amazing, fucking a, dude. Just because once you, you open yourself up to it and work Shit's every low. day, it comes to you, like
1: that's just so day, like like, like, feel, like so ugh, easy. For me, I keep filling up my time that I would love to get writing with with going out and doing shows. live stuff. Yeah, and it's just it's not conducive to like actually getting anything. And especially when it's improv shows, because it's not yeah. like,
0: well, it's it gone. doesn't exist. It's you so it ephemeral. Yeah. Which is it's, it's so beautiful ephemeral. when it's
1: done right and when it's done well and you feel like oh it's man tra- I really like it. It's right. brain training
0: though, Brie. Like when you come and sit down, you're gonna have mm-hmm. three years of doing improv well, in that's your
1: just brain. It, though I can't, mm-hmm. uh, well, I need to find the time to do that. Yeah,
2: um, well, that's it's, it's up to you. And that's always, always been the struggle. Is yeah. like, do you stay home at a computer or a, with a pad? Yeah, writing, or do you go out? And do something where you get feedback right away. feedback, Mm -hmm. exactly.
1: And that's, yeah, that's it. And I've got to stop because I've got, like, I'm I'm doing shows and producing shows that I'm like, originally we're like, oh, this is so everybody can learn how to do this. And eventually I think it comes to the point where it's like, I can't help anybody or everybody anymore. I just want to fucking help myself. No, and
2: that's why I stopped producing shows. Like, I have a show. Which is too bad because your shows were the best shows. Well, I have a show monthly.
1: I stopped doing stand up and I was like the only shows I wanna do are the ones that Catherine and Dan's are involved with because everything else feels like uh like a little popularity contest. No,
2: it's it's very clicky and weird and like I still run a show monthly at Comedy Bar, which is obviously on hiatus till I get that. Right. And uh, it's very loose but it's fun. It's like storytelling stand up. Right. And so It starts with storytelling. It starts serious and gets progressively more silly. That makes sense. And it's called catharsis. But I may try and do it in in LA. Because I have enough pals there that I could easily put a show together. For sure. But the thing I find with producing is if you're good at business stuff, business stuff will suck you away from creative stuff. And if you don't keep grinding it out creatively eventually what happens is you're just doing the business stuff yeah. and then in Toronto it's funny cuz i think you there's all these people who end up being like weird decision makers in yes. comedy but when you actually see them perform you're like you're terrible oh. Oh. and when <laughs> those people are the people who are helping people get their career sorted you can't resent them for that cuz no. they found a way to be involved without doing without it themselves actually do it.
1: yeah or they're but, not getting
2: the hours in to make their craft any good. Or they're not doing. If it's you're not doing, ever... if you're not, and even for me, like, I stopped doing stand-up for over a year. Yeah. Because my friend, in the my year. friend died, you know, and then I had surgery, mm-hmm. and I was like, I can't. And sometimes taking a step back from that is good, too. But if you want to produce, then keep producing. But if you don't want to produce...
1: I've got some that I love producing, and then I've got some that I'm like, I... Oh, yeah.
2: It's, i was just gonna say it's so bring, much
0: work treat your writing as a production mm-hmm. like if you know what i mean but, I mean, well, daily. <laughs> yeah, but daily it's got to be kind of daily
2: yeah. yeah and that's why to, like, the artist way is good i need to like book or the, the nerdest way <laughs> i have a day planner i do but the thing is i fill it up with live events i yeah. need
1: to be like well, the, this is your stay I home had, writing day yeah, yeah. I stop it's fine working. just know
0: that you got to do that and Build it.
1: But then people are like, Hey, do you wanna come do this show? And are oh. like ah, nope. yeah, No,
0: no, I, I can't. I've do... got a thing that yeah. day. Mm-hmm. And the thing is you're writing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And that's what I've learned because being unemployed, I was like, I'm gonna write every day for five hours. <laughs> it
0: didn't happen, right? It
2: did because oh, okay. in I freelance, so I oh, do have all right. some things that are deadline and the past two weeks since my girlfriend had her appendix out, which has only been a week, but like since she got sick I told all my editors that I was working with, like, you're not getting any anything yeah. from me. I'm going to LA. You're not getting anything from me until end of April, early, right. May, earliest. But in a way, it's been good because I've sat down. I have a day planner. Every hour, I put in something. Nice. And if I accomplish that thing, great. But if I accomplish something different because I'm pr- procrastinating from that thing, also good. Because sometimes you just need to go meet up with a friend at a diner. Yeah, and have a chat. And just, like, bounce ideas. Yeah. And that's writing, too, in a weird way, right? Yeah. But if all you're doing is showing up to make other people money, yeah. which is pretty much when people are charging at the door, that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And if if you're producing shows, and, like, for me, my problem was this, when I produce shows, I always split the money evenly between myself and all the comics. Okay. I did not do that. And I've always done that because I could never allow myself to be in it for the money because right. as someone who's grown up as we were talking earlier it, with nothing
1: yeah
2: i could easily take you know if i'm doing a show where i'm charging 15 at the door it's and it's funny a though, full because house you're, you're
1: doing the work though you're the one who's setting up and i've had to tell myself like when I have a show where there's a special guest, I'll pay the special guest. Right. But I'm the one doing the, like, the planning, the, the, the work. work no. the, you know? Yeah. Like and that's one thing, like, like Don, exactly.
2: Don Whitwell follows that model, yeah. which is, she's like, this is my job. I teach comedy and I put on shows. Yeah. And I pay myself. For that service. Because that's my work. Yeah. Yes. yeah. For me, producing was always more of a networky right. kind of thing. And I also always reserved the right to not book people I did not like because I did not want to pay them. Right. And I've always insisted on paying people because if you make $200 and there's five comics, it's way cooler to split that amongst yeah. five people than it is to keep it for yourself. That's true. If it's a, the kind of thing...
0: I mean, yeah. you are getting something from it. You're getting the network, right?
2: As well, and, exactly. And they're going to the book you on. A, they're going to book you on other shows. Blah blah blah. But but I think producing, yeah. especially producing improv shows, you're lucky sometimes if you walk away without owing the venue. Yeah. Exactly. Book.
0: Yeah, you've just turned the corner on that one. And, and if you're not reasonable. if you're
2: not wanting yeah. to be in the business of producing, maybe being a talent agent maybe you want to work in casting, maybe you want to work in like the business side of entertainment. Those are all reasons to produce shows. Yeah. And I if you that. aren't and you want to do creative stuff, at the end of the day, anyone I look up to creatively are usually people who haven't had a show that they run in years because they're too busy taking creating care of, the right, stuff. Taking care of their own creative yeah. lives, right? That's a good point. So that's pretty much why I stopped doing it other than my one show, which is more of a fun thing. And uh yeah, I've been off performing, but I have been using right. the time I would normally be performing to write right up a storm, yeah. And I've been writing freelance and online and stuff. So you do
1: like she does the city. She does
2: the city's my main my main boo. I write for them. I do a weekly column, and then I do, I, I write some stuff for their, like, beauty segments. Uh, yeah. Beauty section, whatever. And then I freelance, but I've stopped freelancing once I got hired for this job. Yeah. Because the turnaround time from pitching until actually selling a piece and having it run and getting the paycheck is usually two to six months. Right. So I couldn't start pitching stuff. In February, when I got the job, because if I did, all those pieces would come due in the middle of my gig that I'm working for this TV show. So I told them basically, hey,
1: when I get back, yeah,
2: I'll come back. I'll write for you a bunch, but in the meantime, I can't send you anything. I'm sure they're cool with it. Yeah, Yeah. and I told and I told the show if you want me to start doing some research now, I have all these gaps in my freelancing schedule. And that's the thing, like, once you get a job where you are kind of got an in, you sort of have to take everything else and throw it out the window. For sure, especially if it's the, like, this could be a huge show. And even if it's not, it's...
0: It's a huge it's experience. It's the in-house yeah.
2: production company of a very well-known cable network. Yep. And as a result, if, you know, I do a good job for them, Who knows? even if this yeah. show doesn't go, something else might.
1: Something will come of it, yeah.
2: And I'm lucky, because a lot of comedians have been giving me shit lately, being like, how'd you get that job? How'd you get that oh. job? And I'm like, first of all, idiots. I've been <laughs> doing stand-up and other forms of comedy in the city for eight years. But also... That's so funny. because like, I have an admin background, which yeah. makes me extra qualified to be the person who holds the people of power's hands and brings them coffee and do all the shit that they don't want to do themselves... So I'm a perfect person to hire for that kind of role because I don't have the ego of someone who's been, for example, touring for Yak Yuck Yaks. Right. Or headlining in Lethbridge. As or soon, it's <laughs>
1: so funny that the comics was because as soon as you told me that I
2: was like, Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It, it makes sense. Comics, yeah, of course, like, of course
0: like, why are we even days. saying this? This, right. this was a given that it was happening. But
2: you meet so many comics who they move to Toronto when they're twenty from whatever edge of the country they're from. Right. Mm-hmm. And they do Humber, and they've been in comedy ever since, and they've maybe been a barista this whole time. Right.
1: If, they, if they've been They don't have
2: the job. work background yeah. that I have, which is, from the day I graduated university until now, I've always had a day job. Yeah. And, like, working for some pretty powerful people in Canadian that's true finance. Me, you know, like, you have to...
0: You can't like be a you, dummy to do it. Yeah. Like, look at all the Harvard to... grads that are And common. that's why
2: they told me. They, this job, they told me... In the interview, pretty much that I was their first choice, which is great, because I have this career background, and I think that's the most important thing for writers is if you've ever read Stephen King's on writing, haven't? He talks a lot about in that book that it's not the thing that's going to most inform your writing is not writing and doing writing like MFA. It's like workshops. The thing that's going to inform your writing the most is living a life working like regular people and being a person in the world. And everything else that you do is secondary to that. Should you know grammar? Yes. Should you know (laughs) syntax? Yes. But I mean, you can get a good editor. Yeah. It's like the weird people you meet along the journey that inform the way you see the world. And for me, I've been working in regulation for 10 years. And I literally know the guy who was in charge of the banks. Like, I know the guy... Who signed he was the boss of the people that authorized every check that's ever been written in Canada. For the government, yeah. Yeah, and he was one of my bosses. So, like, I know these people and ponying up to them sort of in a weird way has given me this weird access where you get insight into a world that you wouldn't necessarily have. And even, so even dealing with people who have
1: a lot of status, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you met with if, yeah. if you deal with somebody at Either a celebrity in your like daily life, or somebody who has like a lot of like, which I have also done. Right? Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. the kind of stuff that's going to help you along the way, so that you're not like a deer caught in headlights when you do have a producer. Yeah, yeah. my
2: first boss in Canada was friends with all the heads of HBO, not Canada, like the real HBO. She had all these connections. She's the most famous black actress in Canada. She was on Days of um, Young and the Restless. Okay. So I got to meet all these really high-powered entertainment people 10 years ago and see what that world was like.
1: Yeah.
2: And then ultimately, you know, I sold out, went right. to finance, and worked on Bay Street forever. And all that stuff makes me... Able to write for Suits. And, well, <laughs> my girlfriend actually loves that show. <laughs> um, it, 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 it's given me all this information and access that when I go work for someone else... And bringing that with me. Absolutely. So, like, I always feel funny when I meet Humber kids who are, like, 18 and their parents were, like, you have ADD, so I guess <laughs> you should go to comedy college. It wasn't even that. They're, like,
1: <laughs> I have to take something. Oh, right. comedy. That sounds, like, fun. Exactly. school should be... Yeah.
2: And then they don't have a career for 30 years no. because... They're too busy, like, being like, well, I'm 18 and I'm a comedian I'm going to be famous in two years. Uh, That's going to be a tough
0: interview for any non-comedy job. Yeah. Well, I've got my degree in comedy.
2: There's nothing wrong with getting it. There's nothing wrong with
1: getting it. It's just that, like... Like, Well, I went back to get it after I had already... No one's going to hire
2: a 20-year-old out of Humber.
1: Exactly. And what was frustrating, the most frustrating, even about Humber itself, is that I was like a... You know, late twenty something person who had lived in Europe, finished her degree. Like I had done, and that's why we are a couple. You know, relationships and
2: you know, like we are kindred spirits because I remember meeting you and being like, "Who's this person who's not a (laughs) dumb dumb twenty one year old with an accordion?" You know what I mean?
1: I did have an accordion. I know. So I had to sell it though. uh, Yeah, to go to Hamburg. Yeah, um, to go to Europe. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> You go to Humber, you can win Tim Sims, you can win all this stuff, but then what happens after that? The you same thing that happens up, yeah. to everyone else who's, there's so many guys in Toronto who are 65 who've been doing stand-up here for 30 years. That's
1: it, yeah. They're oh, so, yeah. like,
2: I was on The Debaters 10 years ago, or whenever it started, and you're like, okay, buddy, but like, what have you done since then other than just be at open mics and be creepy? It's true,
1: there are a lot of creepy open mic dudes.
2: Well, there's too many comedians and not enough work. I know so many comics they've they're drawn to stand up because often they don't have the world view to be like you know i I'm gonna go into writing, I'm gonna right. go into television, I don't have the experience, so they do stand up, but then they just stay cycling through this very insular world where they're rewarded for being the most outrageous. But then no one's ever going to hire them because, I mean, and you know this better than anyone, you can't get hired for the CBC unless you're very vanilla, very middle ground, very safe, very easy. And now, and then these people are all brought up in this environment where, like, everyone laughs at them because they make a joke about AIDS babies, but then there's no jobs for them to do because we don't live somewhere where there's that amount of work.
1: No. You're definitely not going to get a job at CBC because CBC's, like, main thing is, like take, like, take everything that is Canada and make it into a show. And that's not an easy thing to do. No. And it's certainly not going to happen. Especially because they are yeah. – they
2: have to answer to the Canadian exactly. public – The same way PBS does in the states, and if you ever watch PBS, it's dull as shit. Yeah, because I mean, if you watch, they have
0: fantastic opera. They do
2: sometimes. (laughs) Like once, I sat up all night crying watching this four-hour documentary about Judy Garland because they were doing like a like a one of those raise money telethons. And I cried the whole night watching this. And I was like, this is beautiful. But, like, <laughs> the CBC is also, like, hiring the guys who've been doing stand-up in Toronto for 25 years or 20 years. That's or true. Or 15 years. I don't understand
1: some, like, some of, even just, like, the comedy specials they have on CBC. And, like, really, like, why? Because.
0: Like, you have access to Just for Laughs and new access- comics. Well, they and- do.
1: Like, they, yeah. You have access to a lot of young comics, but it is very much, like then I don't know then again you'll get you'll get like an Ali Hassan who's like yeah. that's like that's what they're looking for you know what I mean like yeah and he's the best. and minutes? he's funny
2: and okay. he's relevant exactly and he's and he's, all, and he's but he's yeah. also a dad like exactly he's like that is what CBC is looking but he, for but he represents to me Ali Hassan Ali Hassan Ali Hassan or like someone of his ilk represents to me the best we have to offer. It's true. Because he's seasoned, he's so funny. He's, he's so, so good. such a great person. And a nice guy. Exactly. Yeah. They're not going to hire some asshole. So either. why are they going to hire some kid who's been banned from 50 bars? Exactly. Why are they going to hire some kid who has been doing stand up for 5 years in the city but is still only 20?
1: And is, yeah, and has never left. Right. Ontario. They
2: have no perspective. Yeah. And I think perspective buys you a lot more career options. Mm -hmm. And obviously, in my case, I'm lucky because I can live in the States. Yeah. But, like, I'm a citizen, and honestly, I've been punished by America for well over a decade while I lived there. And so for me, I'm like, this is my birthright because the U.S. actively tried to kill me for 10 years. (laughs) And then... Also, I think a lot of people from Toronto go to L.A. with this notion that they've made it and they're going to show everyone how they've made it, yeah, and then they end up whereas I literally to would live in L.A. and be a legal assistant and, like, go see shows and, like, go do shows and be perfectly content. It sounds
0: so amazing for the arts right now. Right,
2: because I have nothing to prove. And the thing about L.A. right now is it's, like, a real fountain of opportunity because there's all these other channels right mm-hmm. yeah. Hulu's who's making programming amazon's yeah. making programming netflix is making programming
0: all the nerdist stuff that you hear yeah. about like nerd melts mm-hmm.
1: yeah. there's lots of yeah there's yeah. different avenues for different kinds of comedy and i did too. nerd
2: melt like five oh, years ago awesome. i went and they it was i mean it's literally it's funny because it's so hyped up but it's literally like a it's like your dad's garage <laughs> back there and, like, it was Jonah Ray and Matt Myra mm. and, like, all those guys. And it was like they were super, super chill and super nice because it's just like going to an open mic in Toronto, yeah. except these guys have access to the halls of power. Right. And are actually people want them to do something. Whereas yeah. here, you know, they would rather hire a sexy 38 year old former, like, commercial actress than a comedian a female comedian right. for a commercial
1: or to be in their tv shows you like yeah
2: whereas in la i feel like there's a lot more things going on so everyone's kind of just chill because they're not no one's trying to prove everything yeah
1: that's a good point mm-hmm. I don't know, is it like that in new york as well
2: yeah yeah Like the chill
0: to, or the not chill all right it's cool.
2: When I go to New York, I'll do one set, and from that one set somewhere, I'll get six other bookings. That's awesome. Because no one's being greedy and weird. Here,
1: Yeah, it's, here's just these weird, like, little... I have to be,
2: like, a surrogate mother for someone to get a spot on a show. Yeah. Oh, that's no, you weird. Did, like, yeah. Oh, give you my
1: kidney. Yeah. yeah.
2: And it's weird because um, Toronto's a great place to come up in comedy because everybody's small-time, small-fry, and they'll all put you on your show. Or you'll put them on their your show. They'll put you on yours, and theirs. I can't. I can't say anything. Um, It made sense to me. It made sense. Okay, but um, then once you get to a certain point. There's like these higher level of shows, and it's the same people on them for the past fifteen years. It's true.
1: It's like yeah. Well, that's what's good for it's comedy. The is being stale and it's the same idiots. revising
2: the joke right. over and over. And it's the same idiots who never left Toronto because they were too scared or they couldn't get a visa or whatever. Yeah. That then end up becoming the gatekeepers. Yeah. So.
1: For these big. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And that's why it's funny to me whenever I do freelance writing because. It's so different. Like, in Toronto, if you meet one... If you have one pal who, like, publishes you, all their other pals you meet at their dinner party the next week, and they're like, hey, do you want to pitch to us? Like, they're super nice. Yeah. But then once you're in comedy, it's like everyone hates everyone. Oh. It's true.
1: Everybody's so, like, yeah. Not in
2: improv. Mm. Improv is, like, very friendly, safe, warm, fuzzy. It
1: should be. It's not always. Yeah.
2: But the
0: stand-up in L.A. and New York, you're saying, is more... uh, open it's, it is but yeah.
2: it's also like there's a lot of shows it's like you write you write a, an email to the booker at a club you know kind of do your club and they're like yeah we have a show wednesday it's 2 p.m oh uh, okay you'll well, be right. you'll be comic number 45 yeah
1: right
2: and you get three minutes right and okay. it's also like an hour away from everything else in LA right and you go
1: because you need to time yeah yeah you
2: want the stage time yeah here you can get so much stage That's time, true. but it's not quality stage time.
1: Yeah, uh, you get like three people in the audience.
2: Yeah, and in L.A., every dumb person who moves to L.A. with a vague dream, all, at some point ends up doing stand-up comedy. Right. So there's a lot of like shows in laundromats. Wow. Shows in a I parking heard of that, lot. Actually, yeah. Yeah, I've I've done a show in a laundromat there. And on, I'm on Marin's show.
1: Oh, there you go. Oh boy. You got your mandatory Marin reference.
0: Yep. Yeah, they had the one where Marin <laughs> went out in the suburbs and performed in some guy's living room. My
2: favorite podcast episode of two, of 2015 was so there's this Hazlitt podcast called Cavern of Secrets. Nice. It's by Lauren Mitchell, who's uh, a stand-up in the city, she is, yeah. and she had Tavi Gevinson, who's like a famous teen fashion prodigy. She <laughs> has her own magazine. All right, that Very explains gorgeous. why I have no idea what those words mean. Can <laughs> you picture like like a more arty Scarlett Johansson? That's basically what Tavi Gevinson is. Oh my God, she's I'm had, there. <laughs> she's had her own magazine since she was like 14. Wow. Anyway, Tavi was on the show and Lauren Mitchell was talking to her and they got in this whole riff about like how they're so sick of talking about Mark Marin <laughs> <laughs> and pretending like anything that he talks about is relevant to their experiences I as suppose, young women yeah, I, yeah in no. the arts. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel, because... I'm I mean, like, at
0: one point, they'll try, he'll try to date them, but that's... Yes,
2: <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, I love Mark Maron. Like, I've met him. I wasted a lot of his time once. I made him look at the laser light show that was happening at a comedy bar. And nice. And then I dragged him all the way into the, the room where the lasers were, and I was like, look. And he's like, you're stoned. <laughs> I was like, yeah, obviously. And then I left and didn't talk to him again. for the rest of the night... And like he would like sidle up to the bar, and I would be like, no, <laughs> turn my back. But anyway, it's like yeah, like you, you know, you have these sort of institutional comedians like Louis C.K. Right. your Mark Maron's, who are like two white twenty-eight year old men's. They're like the center of the world or thirty whatever. But <laughs> I'm, I'm not a C.K. But I'm but like, but, like, Show. but yeah. like for me, those guys are like fringe because I find them. You know, medium revolting, (laughs) just as people. But also, those are the guys whose voices are amplified the loudest. They get the most opportunities. They get the opportunity to have their own sitcom. Both of them have their
1: own. They get the
2: opportunity to everything, and so you kind of it's like a weird balancing act of like. I have to appreciate this person for what they've achieved, but also almost everything's been handed to them. That's true. And, like, Louis, Mark, they both did a thousand Conan sets for 25 yeah. years. No one gave a shit who they were. Yeah. So you're like, yeah, you put in the time, but also there's a million women and people of color who did the same thing who will never get one one hundredth of the opportunity that you get for the sake of what you represent, which is, like, they represent, like, a calm sort of middle of the road not too political not too you know the edgy but that edgy but not swallow, offensive swallow, exactly yeah. you're seinfeld
1: but not jewish but or not the, oh jewish. no they're Marin's, Marins, Marins jewish
2: Marins, for sure jewish <laughs> for sure but yeah it's like so anyway that episode of uh, cavern of secrets was my favorite cuz it was just <laughs> like this teen prodigy i think millionaire who is also performing in all these broadway plays now cuz she's just super <laughs> wow. talented and is a singer like she's she's a she's a polymath, like she can well, do everything
0: Renaissance and woman. she
2: and Lauren Mitchell, who I think is one of the funniest people in town, were literally Warren well enough she's the best yeah um, But like they literally cannabis. just talked about how like irrelevant he was, and I was like, this is what I've been waiting to hear for <laughs> five years as much as I do enjoy Mark Marin and what he has brought to the table podcast wise oh ooh. So anyway that was my weird rant about Mark Marin and no, it's true. CK. I, I, yeah it,
1: it, so much of it is about your own personal uh, experience I was speaking to somebody the other day and she was like I didn't watch Seinfeld growing up and I was like okay what she was <laughs> like yeah but she was like well I don't know like I grew up like I'm mixed race and like like there's no nobody who looks like me at all
2: is ever represented on, TV. on this mm-hmm. show like
1: why do I why would I be drawn to this? Uh, and I was like, well, because it's funny.
2: But <laughs> when I was but at the ju- same time, it's like, yeah,
1: yeah. There so is much no to,
0: identification. To well, I mean, we guess. didn't get identification other than well, the skin white. color, but yeah. it was like Jewish New York is not us, right?
2: No,
1: but they're white.
2: Well, like when I interviewed for this job, I just I'm about to start. They were like, so, uh, are you a Bernie Sanders fan? or Are you a Hillary fan? And I was like, neither. Yeah. They're like, neither. What? what? I'm like, I'm Canadian. Neither of them are left-wing enough for me, first of all. That's why I left the States. I got kicked out for being too progressive. And secondly, the way that a white guy who's liberal in the Los Angeles looks at Bernie Sanders is different than the way I look at Bernie Sanders right. because for them, they're centering themselves, their straightness, their whiteness, their maleness, and they're saying, there's Trump on one side of me and there's Bernie on the left. And for me, they're all rich, white, straight, cisgendered males. So what do, what the fuck do I care who yeah, I Even Hillary Clinton, she's a legacy. She comes from old money. She basically funded Bill Clinton, who was pretty much a hillbilly when she met him. <laughs> and she's old money, like... She's a warmonger, and so I don't see a difference in that field of people between Ted Cruz, Hillary Clinton, right, right, right. because they all represent things that I do not approve of. Is Bernie the closest? Yes. Do I want to see the descendant of Holocaust survivor in office at the highest station? Yes. But does he meet my political needs?
0: Absolutely But there's not. no one that would be running
2: that would fit your needs. So. Ralph Nader, my friend. I always thought he was on the right. I'm still crying tears about Ralph Nader. He was the most left guy ever. Oh, shit. He's the reason why U.S. has requirements about seatbelts and airbags. Mm-hmm. That's what he spent 25 years Wait, doing. Wait, that's
0: why Gore lost.
2: He's, he's a regulation. So... Gore did not lose because of Ralph Nader. Gore lost because of the Supreme Court. Gore had a oh, well, popular yeah, yeah. Vote, yeah. vote. That's right. Trust me. I lived in Palm Beach County at the time. It was a point of contention. It was my first election yeah. I ever voted in. Mm, and my vote was closely. not counted. Oh. At all thrown out,
1: American electoral system is uh, a whole different podcast, yeah, very mm. different. Uh, a, yeah. whole, a whole beast,
2: but like that's the whole thing right now with Hollywood and in Toronto, it's going on this diversity conversation, yes. That it kills me because the people running the diversity initiatives are, are, are white. still straight, yeah. White, well, that makes
0: sense because that's the, estab- the
2: establishment, upper yeah. middle class, waspy people. Who were given the time, love, and encouragement to be performers. Whereas people like myself become performers when we're twenty eight out of desperation because we're gonna die if we don't express ourselves. We don't say because no one's ever paid attention to us. Whereas there's people who are like we're like, when I was five, I started taking my classical comedia del arte training <laughs> at the private school <laughs> I, I went to. Of course I'm you sure. did. But that's what I'm saying. Like it's a it's a big difference. So when you're centering your own, like, privileges all the time, which is what Hollywood does, they're still centering whiteness. The main character has to be white. Usually has to be male. If it's a woman, she has a male love interest who is very lovable. They're straight. They're very comfortable. They have huge apartments. And you never talk I about never money. They're I wasps. I mean. I and I can't, <laughs> I can't identify with any of that. So, like, everything in Hollywood is so far away from what my reality is. That like anything that's even the slightest bit different is a huge relief, but it's still not necessarily representing my reality, and it's definitely not representing the reality of, for example, like a queer woman of color right. who has, you know, a couple things in common. Is that with the me. intersectionality when you have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like I'm eating a huge carrot. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you gonna do if I got a show as a white? female, I'm queer, I've lived in poverty, health issues, I can lo- name a, another ways that I've, a million other ways I'm not privileged, but I'm still a white woman who gets right. a show. That's mm-hmm. not that uncommon. And truthfully, it doesn't speak to a huge percentage of the people out there who've never once seen someone like themselves on television. Right, yep. I mean, if I wanted to, I could take up Lena Dunham as my totem of like, this is my woman, she's white, she's right. like me. But at the end of the day, it's just going to be... She comes from money, too. She comes from huge money. Yeah. And um, so it's funny, because when they asked me that, first of all, who asks a political question?
1: Well, I mean, I suppose it's really... Well, it depends on the show. We
2: were also talking a lot about um, what the differences between Canada and the States are. Because okay. they were like, oh, you're American? I'm like, half. And they were like, okay. So, but the thing is, is like... First, to say to someone, I don't like Bernie or Hillary in the States, if they're left-wing, it's, like, unheard of. They're, like, freaking out. These are your only two options. Yeah, because that's how it is, right? Yeah. But that's how it is with everything. It's, like, do you want this slightly liberal straight white man to run the show? Or do you want, like, a less liberal white man to run this show? Right. And so you're you're just so focused in on this very narrow margin of people but
1: they make it so sensational
2: and they also make it like it's like oh it's a meritocracy like yes. only the best people come up no the oh, yeah, no, yeah, it's totally no. Not. no and it's crazy too because like i would take out there's a lot of straight white men who i would love for them to have a show
1: right
2: and including my bosses who i'm going to be working for who are like wicked and very like involved in like or at least That's how they, you were
1: talking about the bosses. No, no, like no, the no. Banks, the
2: yeah,
1: banks but I'm talking. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking
2: about everything else. It's like
1: yeah,
2: when you look at the people who are the decision makers at the end of the day, it's always like
1: rich white guy.
2: Yeah, and they are trying to invest the most, the least amount of money, and get the most money back. When you look at it from that perspective, from a capitalist perspective, it almost doesn't matter who's running the show, because the money is who really runs the show, and the money will always find a way to be like, can you be a little less black, please? Can you be a little less gay? (laughs) It's like, or they want you to pander and like really play it up. Yeah,
1: it's never going to be about the art itself. Well, not
0: not at the upper echelons where you're getting the most exposure. Where right. you get that stuff is things like the internet yeah. and yeah. putting on your own show and
2: doing a YouTube your own yeah. indie film. and that's why I think all these new meat forms of media, and uh-huh. I studied new media so I was like I'm really big into it, but it's like it's beautiful because anyone can have their thing, and if there's an audience for it, someone might eventually come along and be like, "We'll give you a little Here's chunk some, of money yeah. to advertise the other cool stuff
0: is like i'm oh I'm not a rich white guy, I'm a white guy, but I'm so bored with that perspective and right. I want new forms of stories. Right. And that's where they're getting generated.
2: And that's the thing is like for, for myself, I'm way more interested in seeing a perspective aside from my privileges. I don't want to see out oh, girls because you know what? Girls is like every girl I knew in high school who's richer than me and yes. parents loved them more it was than I like, did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, there's a group of
1: girls that I would have been in high school with like looking at and being like, you oh. I'm never going to fit yeah, into those exactly. jeans. Yeah.
2: Whereas like I want to see, like, the perspective of someone who's grown up, as a person of color, who's grown up in a, a community that, where there was a, you know, Murders they were they were, they were a marginalized yeah. group of people. That's interesting to me. Whereas seeing Especially, another white guy yeah. be like, oh, it's hard because women don't understand me. Like, wow. I don't need it. I don't yeah. need it. And
1: what's That's why it's like sometimes, well, like, comedy now in Toronto, like, there's there's shows that i like it better when it's like the show itself is put on by diversity kind of for diversity like pre um, uh, pretty show boss which was pretty awesome
2: right yeah i've seen a lot about that it's
1: so good and it's just like different voices from different or like, yas queens right also mm-hmm. yeah uh, but yeah, I did preachy show and it was so fun because she had done she had said this thing about white guilt and then I got called up. To the <laughs> I was like great. You're I'm like the only white me. person on the show, so I'll take it. Yeah, yeah that's. <laughs> but me. Uh, well, I don't know. Like, uh, it was so good to hear stories that weren't just like. I'm an 18 year old white guy who lives in my parents' basement and I jerk off all the time watching the internet. Thanks. That's been my time. You and know, it
2: like. sucks. I <laughs> think it <laughs> that's also. That's not a joke. That's a but fact. But I also think <laughs> it, I agree it does suck for those guys because they've been sheltered and they've always lived in a world where their experience is centered Right. as a male 18 to 45 white male. Uh, and then they get into this world where suddenly they're like, oh, there's small pockets of people who don't center my voice and they privilege marginalized voices and then they get really upset because yeah. they're like, how is this real? I've oh, always been listened be to. Yeah, exactly. I've always had someone to hear what I say and affirm it. Yeah. Whereas like, I think the more marginalized you are, the less you've ever had anyone affirming your view. So you kind of have to work double hard to yeah. get listened to.
0: That's where good art happens, too. No,
2: and I think also, like, I like the name of your podcast because it's, like, that's real. Everyone has a struggle. Yeah. And the struggle may not be having people hear you if you have a lot of privilege. Right. But the the struggle might be being satisfied with what you're putting out in the world. Yeah, for sure. As Mm -hmm. a person who does have that kind of privilege. Like if you start when you're 18 and you don't have any perspective, you might put out a lot of garbage in the world and then sure. be like weirdly embarrassed. And with, Oh no, not awesome, weirdly
0: that that's perfectly yeah. <laughs> that happens. That's what what you do. But Isn't that
2: why it's great though? like the internet wasn't really a thing when we were no. 18 yeah, yeah. because I would have so much embarrassing. Oh, like, God. How cool would your two page be no, though? <laughs> I would have had stuff that was like viral because I was such a loser. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I would have been like lesbian Star Wars. Kid. <laughs> oh, there's amazing. a market for that. Yeah. There, that would be a thing. I mean, I'd still be going to conventions. Like, I'd be making money signing people's like uh, T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh my god, can you do the thing again? <laughs>
0: I don't know. Lightsaber
2: dildo. Is that time right, or is that the wrong time because the That's time That's the changed. correct time. Okay, it is. Yeah, I'm supposed to be getting in a. A, a nail appointment four minutes ago oh, <laughs> oh no. shit okay
1: well we're gonna wrap this up oh. where is your nail appointment in yorkville oh and no. my friend is
2: already there
1: oh, <laughs>
0: <Pretty shit>. <laughs> 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 is that your phone ringing <laughs> yeah oh, <laughs> oh no okay guys we're
1: gonna wrap this up this has been uh, uh the cause of struggle uh, with our great friend <laughs> McCormick, Happy St. Patrick's Day! <laughs> thank you, uh, thank you for listening and listen. Follow us on uh, Twitter and what Facebook.
2: What is the handle? Follow. Oh,
1: it's at StrugglePod. And what's your handle so that people can follow? It's you? at.
2: It's hard. It's at McCorm Corp. M C C O R M C O R P. Perfect. We'll put and that's up. a funny follow. And that's across every social media platform. Every platform. Yeah. Wonderful.
0: I'm at Los Encos on the Twitter machine.
1: Great. Thanks for coming, and have the greatest time in L.A. Yay. Thank
2: Yay. you.
0: Break your writer's legs. I will.
2: <laughs> Hashtag. Struggle on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love that. you.